0: Tēnā koutou mai, mai. Welcome to Q&A, I'm Jack Tame. Today we're doing things differently. We are dedicating the entire show to one portfolio only, finance. Labour finance spokesperson Grant Robertson has delivered six budgets as finance minister and overseen the government's fiscal response to the COVID-19 pandemic. National's finance spokesperson Nicola Willis is the woman who wants his job. Kia ora korea. Kia ora. Kia ora. In this first segment, we're going to focus on the big picture. So the state of our economy, inflation and your party's respective cost of living policies. And throughout the show this morning, we're going to share with you some Q&A variant polling results. So we'll start with that this morning. We asked a thousand eligible voters if they think our country is on the right economic track. These are the results. Grant
1: Robertson, why are those respondents wrong? Oh, well, how people are feeling about their own lives is not something I'm ever gonna judge. It's been an incredibly tough couple of years for New Zealanders getting through COVID, getting through the, the global inflation crisis. But the good news is that the economy is turning the corner. We saw that with the GDP numbers that came out this week. We can see that in the business confidence numbers that are coming through. And so, you know, New Zealanders know that they've had a government with Labour that's stuck with them through that period of time, that's supported households and businesses to get through. And we know that the New Zealand economy is resilient and there are better times ahead. Nicola, give us a bird's eye view. How do you assess the state of our
0: economy?
2: Well, New Zealanders are in trouble. The cost of living crisis is entering its third year. Grant once described inflation as a temporary challenge. It's still at 6%, higher than many countries we like to compare ourselves with. For many New Zealanders, their wages have not kept up. They are also facing really high mortgage rates, so Mm. hundreds of dollars more going out each fortnight to service those. It's tough. And Grant says, well, it's going to get better. But what they've experienced over the past few years is it never does get better under Labour. And when you look at growth on a per-person basis, even the government's own forecasters are saying that ain't growing till next year.
0: Mm. OK, I want, to, I want to consider the trajectory for government spending. So, Grant, you've delivered six budgets. At each budget, you set an allowance for the next budget's discretionary spending. How many times in those six <laughs> budgets have you met
1: or gone under your previous spending. I think it's probably a couple, Jack. But as I've said to which you, ones, which ones? Which budgets? The ones at the beginning <laughs> in 2018, and then is in 20, and I then in 2021 you. or 22, we were under what we said we would be. But Jack, the point is, those allowances are a means to an end. You have to respond to the things that are in front of you. If there's a cyclone, you have to respond to that. That's what we did. Also, when you look at the the end result, we ended up with debt significantly under where it was forecast to be at the budget policy statement. We ended up with unemployment under where it was meant to be at the budget policy statement. What we've done is take a balanced approach. Now, it's all very well to say, no, we've set that allowance, we're going to stick to it no matter what. Does that mean we don't pay teachers? Does that mean we don't pay nurses? Because they're the decisions you actually have to make. It's not a theoretical exercise governing. You actually have to govern for the circumstances. Circumstances that are there. And well, when let's you look at yeah, this. when yeah. you look across the board at what the government's done, at the indicators across the economy, we have done well mm. compared to the rest of the world. Doesn't stop it being hard for individuals and households, but we have spent in a careful and balanced way to support New Zealanders whilst also keeping indicators like debt lower than most other countries in the world.
2: So let's talk about 2022, because you can't blame COVID for 2022. That year was the year our inflation rate hit 7.6%. It was also the year you decided to go on the biggest budget spend up in New Zealand's history. You added... $38 $38 billion over the four-year period to the economy, including a $6 billion operating allowance. You completely blew it out. And let's look at what was in that budget. There was money for three waters, Te reform, Te fato Ora reform. There was money to so none renovate of things our, our are important. IRD and Health offices. reforms aren't important. In the of, an reform inflation, of our water system you let me important. finish, because i mm. let you finish. In the middle of an inflation crisis, you decided to do the biggest spending budget in New Zealand history. And then what did we see happen? Inflation persisted. Interest rates went higher and your cost of living payment that you did, when actually what you should have been doing is reducing tax, Jack, that went to French yeah. backpackers. That was the wrong response see, to an I mean, inflationary this, That crisis. kind of
1: response is, is typical of the way Nicola does this. About 1.5%, mm-hmm. so 98.5% of the cost of living payment went to New Zealanders living here earning less than $70,000. But if I come back to the beginning of what Nicola said. As a country, we've had to face a number of hurdles. At the same time, we do want our health system to be better. We do want our three waters yeah. to be better. But we do it? want... But, but Grant, it's, it's not. People are waiting is, longer no, for surgery. No, 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 They're waiting longer Those
2: in the emergency rooms. Those investments broken. needed okay. to I'm be I'm made. For a but doctor. also, okay. longer Don't okay. tell us the health system. Also, here's here. the last
1: point. On your show, Jack, mm. Christopher Luxon, when he was asked at that 2022 budget, would he be spending the same amount of money as Labor? He said yes. No, he said he would
2: reduce tax. Which is effectively the same thing. Which is effectively the same thing. Can we just. He just said that reducing tax is the same as his spending money. That is not the same thing. You were going to use that money. Thank you, thank you.
0: Okay, okay. I've got to keep us on track, otherwise, we're going to go down all sorts of rabbit holes. The question I just have on the trajectory of government spending is one of credibility, right? So if we look at the preview, which was announced last week, in order for you to stick to your plans, as described in the prefu you expect us to believe that for the next 15 years... Your operating allowance, that discretionary spending, will be lower than last year's budget. That is not credible.
1: It is, and the reason it's credible is because we cut our cloth for the situation we're in. We were in a period of time where we needed to support New Zealanders, Mm. and Nicola and her colleagues often asked me to spend more. Then we were in a period of time where inflation was high. Inflation comes down, Mm. and we've already shown, so you want to go to credibility, we've already said we will take that $4 billion worth of savings out. Mm. Six
2: weeks before an election, you worked out you'd been spending no, far no too much Nicola, on macro and bureaucracy no, no okay. Nicola, and now Adam, you're expecting us to believe that you're a man of discipline. You so, have okay, broken no, the on, hang hang you.
0: on, hang uh, on. Hang on, Nicola, a question for you then. Because National still hasn't released a fiscal plan. Uh, uh, Neither uh, has Labour, Jack. Voting so overseas, here. Voting overseas begins... No, no, no. Well, at least Labor we've got a pre No, from but
2: what they have done is they have added hundreds of millions of dollars of campaign promises on top of that pre-food. So we're,
1: we're, going to talk done done we're going to talk about those promises. dollar is costed well, within the be- allowances, okay. Okay. Nicola. And Nicola in, in 2017, when I was in your position, I brought out a fiscal plan, then we had the pre-food, then we outdated it.
0: Nicola, will National return to surplus faster than Labour?
2: Well, it is uh, a very, very difficult set of books that Grant Robertson has delivered us, and I make this prediction. OK, so... so the surplus... No, 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 that yeah, no, no, no,
0: no, 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 no. give us an answer, please.
2: So, yes, but so, let me finish the answer, because so this is very important. So how will you do that? If I hang can hang finish hang hang my out. answer... You, you interrupted me in the last message. There's going to be, lots,
0: so, of, be plenty of time to interrupt. So here's,
2: here's the thing. We will certainly deliver a surplus earlier than Labour would have, but Labour are pretending... What are going to have? No, let me finish. Sorry, Grant, We're going to get to that? We're going to get to that. you're not going to... You interrupted me in my last one. We're going to
0: get to that, yeah.
2: But Labor are expecting you to believe that they will deliver a surplus in 2027. That's based on grant... For the first time in his entire time as a finance minister, sticking to his operating allowances, he's not going to do that. He's already delayed surplus three times. Okay, he's so I'm not talking about your plans. Will, will,
0: will national commit to returning to surplus before twenty twenty seven?
2: I'm not making that commitment today. What w- I'm making will, the commitment of commit- is we will hit surplus earlier than Labor would because we will stick so that is to that our commitment. spending discipline. Nicola, can you be clear? Oh, I do right. not believe it, and okay. no New Zealander should, because you have Never spent more you know, so, so a will. So
1: will a national Treasury government... No,
2: not, you no, in Nicola. your own documents so that you spend more so than you say you, say, you, you
1: say you're going to hit a surplus before us. That means you will have to cut even no, deeper into we public services than you have already no, said you're going I'm saying to. Yes, it does. There's no other way. Oh, what else are you going to do? OK, OK. Can I just say,
0: on behalf of the viewer, it's great that we're having a robust conversation, but we actually need to be able to make sure we can distinguish your comments over each other. Nicola, be totally clear here... Yeah. Will National commit to returning to surplus in the year
2: 2027? Yes. But not earlier than that. Okay, Thank you. Um,
0: You've been asked over and over again about the modelling behind your foreign buyers' revenue projection. We Mm. don't need to spend 10 minutes on that today. Mm. We're at the point, though, where I think there's more than credibility on the line with this. There's actually integrity on the line with this. Does detailed revenue modelling beyond the tax plan that you have released actually exists.
2: Thank you for asking this question, because this is very important. There has been misinformation about this. Here is the table of costings for our tax plan, which sets out every element of our tax plan and its cost on an annual basis. Here is the review of our tax plan done by external expert economists who agree that the costings we have put together are credible and fair. Here is the legal advice we released underpinning our costings. One Here is it. a summary of the methodology we used to cost our foreign buyers policy. Now, by contrast, I want you to look at this. This is the costing for Labor's GST policy. And nowhere on mm. this, by the way, does it model an increase in yes, fruit and vegetables being eaten. So actually eaten. that's already built in. And so nowhere that's on this okay. is there an economist <laughs> who says, as your ads claim that the full GST reduction will be passed on to consumers. Nicola, Not an economist has said Nicola, that. Nicola,
0: we, we'll, we'll talk about Labor's plans in just a moment. Mm. W- will you release the numbers behind the modelling? That's, yeah, the, that's the question. Yeah, the, I mean, on this you piece haven't. of
2: paper are the numbers behind the modelling. We it, are modelling 16 to 1,700 homes <laughs> home selling to foreign buyers at an average price of $2.9 million with a 15% tax, which will generate around $715 million in year one. Do you have anything more than that? Year one. Yes, I do. I have a full methodology, no, which any, I've detailed here.
0: Is, is that that's that's it? Right.
2: This, is, this is what I have explained okay. to you. Of yeah. course there are okay. spreadsheets. OK, OK, OK. But okay. Grant's not releasing spreadsheets. So
0: we'll talk about Grant in a moment. <laughs> I don't like the resignation questions. I, I know they come up, but given you have already pledged to resign if you don't deliver tax cuts, and given ACT has now pledged to peg back their tax cuts and New Zealand First has indicated it doesn't support them, do you stand by
2: that pledge? I stand by my pledge, the next uh, national government will deliver tax reduction to working people that they are owed and that they are due.
0: And, and will you give the same assurance if you fail to raise the revenue that you have projected?
2: We have put together a w- very conservative no, no, sorry. plan. No, well, that's it's, the question? it's very important because you've asked me questions about this and I've never been able to answer it in full and it's important that I do. C- can you, well, I've this, just asked you a really clear question,
0: is, so can you please give me a really I'm clear give you a answer? Really will you, clear you give answer. the same assurance if you do If you look at the way we have put re- our tax plan revenue.
2: together, we have built in buffers. So we have taken conservative estimates for the costs of elements of our tax plan. We have also ensured that in year one we generate more than half a billion dollars more... Mm than is needed to to deliver tax reduction. And then we have put this in the context of a fiscal plan, which you will see shortly, which also builds in buffers. So I am confident that we have put this together in a way that means we will not need to borrow for tax cuts Mm. and we will not need to make reductions in any frontline services. Nicola, that doesn't answer the question
0: I just asked you, which is would you give the same assurance if you don't get the revenue you have projected?
2: No, and can I tell you Why? Because the revenue that we get depends on the economic growth conditions and therefore how much tax people are paying across a range of things. And it depends on the economic conditions that we're in. But I will be delivering tax reduction. So
1: Jack, Nicola's tax plan relies on selling $20 billion of land housing to offshore buyers. That is not credible. Most economists who have looked at the plan say it's not credible. All of this is just words, Jack. No. It, what? Hang on, Nicola. I let you go on that. Chance, yeah. All of this is just words. It's an inflationary policy. Even Cameron Bagri, who's Nicola's uh, Nationals friend, says mm. it's inflationary. It'll push up the price of housing, and it's simply not credible. They will have to. If Nicola's going to deliver on her commitments, she's just made. They will have to make even deeper cuts into public services. This policy doesn't add up. It's not even clear who it applies to. Is it residents or is it tax residents? Which is it?
2: Our policy... Which is it? Our policy... But answer that question. Our policy applies to foreign buyers of homes who currently are banned from buying homes. Under our policy, they will pay a fifth So, so they they a fax? New
1: Zealander who lives overseas for no, more than 325 no, in 25 days. Exempt. How are you going to make that No, they will
2: be exempt. How? Because we have very clear advice that we can make that work within our existing no, tax and trade arrangements. I don't ranges. believe that, okay, that is okay. true. Well, okay, we have we're advice keep from the former Deputy Commissioner of the IRD no. who has worked in the practical world of tax. By the way, okay. Grant Robertson has a digital services tax on the table at the moment where his own officials have warned him there could be $100 million worth mm. of tariffs put That's against New Zealand That's a completely different matter through. as to whether it, really actually no, no, no. To it actually adds treaties. up,
1: Nicola, okay. which you're you're your policy doesn't. $20 Grant. of property sold to foreign So, bars. Grant,
0: if credibility is the issue, uh, in what ways has your GST policy affected your party's credibility?
1: The GST of fruit and vegetables? So yeah. well, I, don't, I don't believe there's any challenge to that. I accept the fact that there's a lot of economists... Why does no-one talk about it? Well, on we're the campaign. talking about it now, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, well, I mean, I noted the it's other one night that in the ten, It's one of our ten cost-of-living measures. It is a and central policy. Yeah, but it's one of our ten cost-of-living mm. measures. It sits alongside the increases we're doing to working well, What does Cameron Bagley think of it? He doesn't like it either, oh, but I'm not a surprise yeah. to me there. So, so the point, Cameron yeah. Bagley's... Hang on a minute. On did you want to answer the question what? that you asked me at the start? So, look... We have, we've gone through, we've costed that policy. The economists who are opposing it aren't opposing it because they don't think it adds up. They're opposing it because they don't happen to think it matters. It does matter mm. to some of those people who are in the supermarket who are really struggling to buy the food, the fruit and the vegetables that they want. The challenge here is not to us on that. The challenge here is that none of Nicola's tax policy adds up. She's got okay, a cut. We're we'll still talking about, and about, we'll talk we'll talk about six and a half percent we'll of the reason, spending the over the but next few Nicholas, years in go. a range yep. of government departments. It's hard to go when he's
2: mm-hmm. still talking. The, the reason. That you don't want to talk about your GST policy is because, is it. b- because you know, and you said it just a few months ago, that most of the benefit of this policy mm. will pass to supermarkets, Absolutely and that's what not. economists are concerned because, about. You know You've what, done misleading t- advertising, oh, telling okay. New Zealanders that 15% will go through to the price of their apples and their carrots. You know that's not right. You've said that's not right. This all is embarrassing around, for all you. All around the world, Nicola, people said to you, do have it exemptions to GST. And all around the world, people have exemptions to GST. And so you I know what okay. we've done, Nicola, that so your government, just, just government never did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well,
0: Okay, a couple of quick things before the air break. I to finish on this. <laughs> no, no, I think you've made your point. I finish my
2: point, Okay,
0: guys. All right, let's maintain a degree of civility. Will you support keeping Adrian Orr as the Reserve Bank Governor? If you're uh, your a That business. is an
2: independent role, and so, yes. You will? Yes. We'll be reviewing the performance of the mm. Reserve Bank over the period uh, during which extraordinary the amounts of, of term, money printing happened. For, th- for
0: the remainder of this term, you, you will We respect him.
2: the independence of the Reserve okay. Bank.
0: Um, very quickly you want to give, what, $16 billion in tax cuts, and I asked you a few weeks ago if your tax cut would be inflationary. Mm -hmm. You said it wouldn't be because Kiwis would choose not to spend it. Quote, Mm -hmm. I asked you, if New Zealanders all choose not to spend the money, then it won't be inflationary? That's the theory, right? You said yes. So we've polled it. These are the results. So 44% of respondents said they would spend that tax cut on everyday essentials. 7% said they would spend it on something they wouldn't normally buy. So more than half say they will spend that tax cut. Does that Make it inflationary?
2: I think you will recall it. What I said is I think some people will save it. And that poll completely confirms my view. That's not my question. <laughs> 44% will save it. No, I do not think it will be inflationary. Now I'll tell you why. I brought this report with me too. Treasury advised Grant in 2022 that tax cuts are less inflationary than government spending. That is their advice to him. And the reason for that is because government spending creates more inflation, Mm. because with tax reduction, some people use it to pay down their mortgage, and believe you me... They they said less inflationary, right?
0: Less inflationary, but they didn't say it's
1: not inflationary. inflationary.
2: They said that, that and recent work it. has found that government investment and consumption tends to have the largest effects on domestic demand and interest rate. But
0: they're not saying it's not. Transfers and tax changes yeah. have
2: but less effect. Well, the alternative here, Jack. Let's be really clear about the universe we're living in. The us. alternative otherwise, is reining in fiscal spending and no, 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 not giving a tax cut. That is not though. the alternative because every dollar of this tax okay. plan this is really a dollar clean. that Grant would otherwise spend on another huge government program that may or may not be deliver clear. the outcomes. Over and the next promises. four
1: years, for Nicola's tax plan to work. Twenty billion dollars has to get pumped in to the economy from foreign Should buyers. We talk about yeah. That will Should definitely we talk about be inflationary. I think we've talked about it room. enough.
0: I think we've talked about the foreign buyers enough. I will tell you what, after the break, we're going to talk about productivity instead. Is there more to New Zealand's export future than milk, meat, and a few tourists in Queenstown? Hawkey, my welcome back to Q&A. For this segment we want to focus on New Zealand's economy of the future. We want to hear a vision from the both of you. I'm going to start with a philosophical question. Grant, to what extent is it the government's job to reshape our export economy?
1: It's certainly our job to support New Zealand to lift the value of our exports. It's not the job of the finance minister or anyone else in government to say to somebody, you must work in this sector. But what we can do is add value and find new markets, find uh, new ways of New Zealanders making higher wages, doing that in a low emissions way and making sure we deliver economic security. There is no single silver bullet for productivity Mm. in New Zealand because if there had been, finance ministers over decades would have fired it. You've got to build on what we've been doing new trade agreements that we've been able to sign, start adding value in our agricultural sector, the mm. agri-tech support that we've given, which I think has been you know significant in lifting our performance there, uh, moving into a renewable energy space, the new economy, making sure we get science working towards driving new outcomes, mm. game development sector, all those areas where we're good and okay. the government's job is to get alongside those who are doing that and lift the value of it. Same question to you, Nicola.
2: So... Where growth comes from is an individual deciding, I'm gonna do something new, I'm gonna take a risk, I'm gonna invest in that business, or I'm gonna buy a big new piece of machinery, or I'm gonna hire another 10 people, Mm. or I'm gonna work an extra hour, I'm gonna do an innovation, I'm gonna do it a different way. Government's role is to create the conditions in which people will make those decisions. Mm. And so first, do no harm. Don't put too many barriers in the way in the form of red tape and regulation Second, make sure that if there are issues that are getting in their way, you know, it's taking too long to get freight from port uh, to the factory, then Try and reduce those barriers. Make sure that they can get the skilled workers that they need. Make Mm. sure they're not in a high inflation, high interest rate environment. Help build access to foreign markets. Mm. The government's role is to create the conditions in which businesses and individuals want to invest and grow.
0: Okay, we're going to have a quick look at the exports as they stood, the top five exports in New Zealand in 2019. So this is pre-COVID-19. You'll remember at the time, tourism was going through a particularly strong surge. Ten years from now... Is there another sector that you think will feature in those top five, Nicola?
2: There's three that I've got my eye on that I'd Mm. like to see there. Export education, aquaculture and software as a service.
1: Grant? Yeah, on the latter of those, software as a service, I do think we need to see in there. I'd also like to see agricultural technology Mm. in there, and that to me is an example of the point I was making. We're brilliant, we've got great farmers, good sustainable farmers, let's build on that. And the other one I'd throw in too is around renewable energy. Mm. We are the best in the world at renewable energy, and we need to get not only that going for New Zealand to reach our our 100% target, but also to make sure we're exporting that technology to the rest of the world. You know, the things that are in there will still be present because they're the core and the base of our economy. But there's tremendous opportunity to add value, to get into new markets and lift what New Zealanders get out of that in terms of their wages. I don't want to make you um, pick
0: between your babies, but uh, (laughs) what what are each of your favourite policies, your, your single favourite policies when it comes to a policy that will drive productivity and growth?
2: So the best predictor of how productive our economy will be a decade, 15 years from now, is what's happening in our classrooms today. And we have an education problem in New Mm. Zealand where our children are learning less in reading, writing and maths than the generations that came before them. So we have to fix that. Or not only our society and our community but our economy mm. is down the toilet. So what we're going to do is do the basics brilliantly in our schools. We're going to bring back an hour a day of reading, writing and maths. We're going to bring back a clear curriculum, structured literacy, assessment, progress reporting. We're going to get our kids educated. I'm
1: extremely proud, Jack, of the work we did to get New Zealanders into apprenticeships and into trade training. Um, we've made a real um, dent in what was a skills deficit. Mm. But, you know, rather than pick that, I'll pick another one. And that's in infrastructure. We've got to make sure that we actually invest properly in infrastructure over a sustained period. We've got $77 billion coming down the pipeline. That's the kind of thing the government can do. We do need to use our balance sheet Mm. as a government to do that. So we get some criticism coming about the fact we've taken on some more debt, but actually that's what a government needs to do to make sure the hospitals, the schools, the roads, the housing are all there. So if we're going to succeed as a country, we need sustained long-term infrastructure investment.
0: Right. The, the infrastructure deficit is $200 billion mm. in New Zealand by some estimates. What would a national government do differently in funding that infrastructure?
2: We want to work with the private sector in a way that just about every other developed country does. So what that means is that we work with things like the Super Fund, the Canadian Pension Fund, other big institutional investors around the world who want to invest in long-term mm. infrastructure, and we give them revenue tools to finance the building of infrastructure. For example, we let them take a charge on development uplift that happens. We let them do a value uplift charge. We let them do tolls. We let them generate the revenue to pay off long-term infrastructure assets. There is huge potential for that if we want to get the big roading projects that open up new land for housing, if we want to ensure we have the big public transport Mm. connections that allow intensification of housing in our cities, if we want to ensure that there is private capital able to go into renewable energy, then we have to be able to work much better with the private sector. And this government, Grant's (laughs) going to tell you now that he wants to do that too and he's talked about it and he's going to do it. They have failed to do it. Well, actually, you said you'd deliver light rail. Here we are six years later, and there still hasn't been a single metre of track laid. And actually, the New Zealand Superfund had said to you they wanted to invest in it. And where's that got to? Absolutely nowhere, Grant.
1: So we all believe that there is a role for the private sector, particularly in transport, um, one of the things I had to inherit, Jack, was the shambles that National created with transmission going. happy to be there with at the ribbon tra- opening. With, indeed, because we worked really hard to save it from what you did to it. $800 million, they said it would cost, and then it ended up costing about $1.2 billion. So, Jack, there is a role for that. But at its core, mm. addressing the infrastructure deficit requires the government to be at the centre of investment. And year after year, under National, they underinvested, meaning that our hospitals mm. weren't in the state they should have been, our schools weren't in the state they should have been. State housing, if National had built state housing at the rate that we're building it now, there'd be no one on the state housing register. So So you actually have to invest as a government. I know that
0: the preview had absolutely no provision. For Auckland Light Rail or the, the Harbour Crossing, So how are you going to fund those
1: projects? Well the Harbour Crossings outside of the pre-foo period in terms of its building. There, there is investment for Auckland Light Rail that was made in Budget 2022 that we're currently working through and we will develop further costings on that. We don't disagree with Nicola that there's mm. an opportunity there for value uplift um, to be used to be able to do that, the kind of congestion charging work that has been talked about. All of those are elements of funding mm. infrastructure but none of them work if the government isn't there at the but core, but no
2: one's arguing about that. Of course, well, we I, are. I, I because give you this didn't commitment: do it. the next national, it the the last time the next national government will be making significant investments in nation-building infrastructure. I view that as one of the big tasks the next national government will have. It's a pity we you didn't will be do building, it last time. and it's very difficult to take your mm. pledges seriously <laughs> when you sat there and promised light rail for Wellington, you promised light rail for Auckland. None of it's been built. One of the first actions of your new government was to cancel the state highway which, pipeline project. No then you realised that there that was the no wrong thing for to it. do, and then you turn it okay. back on again, and they get turned off again, turned on again, and you talk to anyone. Who's involved in the mm. delivery of infrastructure in this country, and they say it's been a shambles under Labor. Absolute, Labour, rubbish, and Nicola. Has got Absolute
0: rubbish. Okay, okay. We'll give you a chance to respond to that in a few minutes, Grant. If you want to contact the Q and A team, please call it or my. These are our main platforms. You can email us, you can find us on X, the thing that used to be called Twitter, or on Facebook. After the break, our climate commitments could cost us billions in offshore credits in just a few years. But is that the next government's responsibility? Kia ora te, we welcome back to Q&A. We're dedicating the whole of the show today to Labour and Nationals Finance Spokesperson Grant Robertson and Nicola Willis. In this segment I want to talk about trade-offs and we're going to start off with a poll question. So we asked 1,000 eligible voters, do you support or oppose lowering government spending if it means some people end up losing their jobs? So 38% support, 42% oppose, 20% don't know. Now Nicola, Labour has announced $8 billion in cuts Um, to plan spending over the next four years. In addition to that, National says it'll make almost $2.5 billion in cuts to fund the tax cuts. To be clear, how many public sector jobs would National cut?
2: We have not set a number for that because we do not have a target for that. What we want to do is we will say to Chief Executives across 24 government agencies we've identified we are concerned with how much your departmental, that's The cost of running yourselves spending Mm. has increased, up 62% over the last few years. We think that's out of proportion to the services that are being delivered to New Zealanders. We would like you to find 6.5% worth of savings on Mm. average. Go away, have a look for that, come back to us with your recommendations. Here's the rules. Protect frontline services. Stop things that are wasteful. Stop things that aren't delivering Mm. enough impact for everyday New Zealanders. So,
0: so it's six hundred million dollars a year in savings you want divided by, say, just roughly salaries of ninety thousand dollars a year. I mean, that would be six and a half thousand redundancies at that level. Can you give us a ballpark figure as to the kind of expectation you have? Are we talking? I do
2: not have a ballpark figure, and the reason for that is I genuinely want to work with our public servants to work with them to identify where the savings should be made. Here's some of the things that they will consider. Is it necessary, for example, that this year the IRD has embarked on a $30 million renovation project? Is it necessary to run lots and lots of task forces mm. and working groups? Is it necessary to do the amount of report writing that they're <laughs> doing? Are they leasing offices that are actually affordable? Are there vacancies yep. that should not yep. be filled? And Grant's now going to tell you... Oh, OK. This is the goal you <laughs> Why don't you, don't you just let me G- say it? Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Grant yeah, can, that, say,
1: it, can let say it. Say it. Yeah, yeah. So, 6.5% needs to be cut from agencies like the Department of Conservation or Customs. If you cut 6.5% from the Department of Conservation, that will mean our conservation estate will be worse off. There is no way of cutting that much money out of a budget without it affecting the frontline. Customs. If people are worried about queues at the border now, National takes 6.5% out of that. That will affect frontline services. Mm. It's simply not possible. We went in and we said 1 to 2% in those agencies because we do believe, and when times are mm-hmm. tough and when we are trying to bring the level of government spending down, we do need to find efficiencies. But at 6.5%, that is deep cuts to agencies. It won't okay. be possible is... to be able to deliver what G- Nicola <laughs> okay. says she will. And again, is... another reason why the tax this cuts can't I... happen.
2: This is what I call the Grant Robertson Goldilocks theory, which is the amount that Grant Robertson wants to reduce from government agencies. Is there a difference between in, 1 and 2%
1: which, and 6%? $4
2: billion dollars over the next four years mm. is perfect. One or even two though percent. He's, he's, a, he's, he's actually right. targeting education and agencies, I'm not even including, that's going to be perfect and not a single One thing's or going two to be 6%. No, but if we do five hundred and ninety-four billion million more, then that's going <laughs> to be swinging cuts. More than double. More than double. No, that's not true, Grant. So if you is. actually understand numbers, you've proposed a billion dollars in cuts a year. We're Proposing 500, we have proposing 594. That is not Your four. maths should be better than we that. Have and actually what this is million, about. No, don't okay. put
1: misinformation out. 504 million, and you're putting 594 on top of that. Continue, well, Nicola.
2: Well, my point is this. After years of telling us every dollar of government spending was absolutely yeah. necessary, you admitted six weeks before an election that actually you could afford to cut billions out, and now you're telling me... That I can't find more savings without affecting frontline services. And a half and frankly, I think, think Six that and lacks and a credibility. Percent. So, so, so
0: just, to take the, just to take the Department of Conservation example, how will you deliver a great walk, which is National Party's mm-hmm. policy, while simultaneously cutting DOC's budget?
2: Well, there's two things we want to do. The first is, in terms of Doc, we will be asking them to find savings in their backroom departmental functions. So the numbers I'm using are different mm. from Grant's because he's looking at the entire baseline, which includes their frontline so services. So, what is backroom I'm for DOC say? So. Well, that will be their policy advisors, their communications advisors, their PR advisors. So, those advisors, are jobs, though, right? Yeah. Those, those are jobs. Well, what we don't mean?
1: want to tell New Zealanders anything about the conservation estate. the I presume, Nicola, probably means things like predator-free will be gone. Oh, because, because that, that is, is just the not kind true, Grant.
2: Well, Grant, you, stood, next me, Grant, stood, Grant stood next to me. You cannot find those kinds of savings without deep cuts. And it's d- just d- Grant, not possible. Grant has stood next to me in debates in Wellington Central mm where I have proudly talked about National's commitment to the Predator Free 2050 goal, which was our You're goal. you have to so okay. find the this money just, somewhere. This is kind of desperate stuff. Okay. Well, it's actually not, gone on you here, have to explain what's actually, what gets cut. What's actually gone on here, Grant, is you have built up the public service mm. backroom functions at a massive no. rate Absolutely out of proportion not. to the services okay. you are delivering not a, no, and now it's you're not. at the okay. 11th hour admitting you need to reduce it but you're trying to also Nicola, claim Do we needed those
1: people as we went through COVID okay, that's enough. we needed to do the work to do the reforms. Thank you, thank you,
0: that's enough we are got to keep moving. Um Nicola, will you rule out asset sales?
2: Yes, we've ruled them out
0: Will you rule out any increases to GST? Yes. Climate To meet our Paris climate commitments, New Zealand will need to purchase an estimated 100 million tonnes of offshore carbon credits by 2030. The first whack of those credits needs to be purchased in the next parliamentary term. How much have you put aside for those obligations?
2: Uh, Well, we've taken our guidance from the pre-election fiscal update, which does not think that they need to be Mm. booked in the books yet.
1: And that is Treasury's position. I think we covered this in Queenstown, Jack. Um, There is a debate about that. Overall, though, New Zealand's climate policy doesn't just rely on that mm. because it would be we would need even more offshore credits if we were to take the approach so, that Nicola wants to take and get rid of the Climate Emergency Response Fund, the fund that actually will deliver the government's part of reducing our emissions. So this sound. is what
0: Prefu says regarding those offshore credits. Uh, it says the cost will be significant and will start biting, quote, within the current fiscal forecast
1: period. Yeah. That's right, and there are, doesn't, it, there need, and there, that will be a cost on the government. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, have either is, of this you? This is not going to be great um, viewing for your viewers. Well, it's Jack, actually really important. But it is. Of of it's because in of the way that the treasury measure a liability that doesn't affect other parts of the government's books. Now, I recognise, as James Shaw said at our debate in Queenstown, Mm -hmm. that's a challengeable assumption. But for now, the Treasury, who do set those forecasts independently, don't believe we need to measure the liabilities that way.
0: I want to share with you guys another poll result. We asked voters if they would be prepared to see petrol and electricity prices rise in order for New Zealand to meet its climate change commitments. As you can see, more than two-thirds of respondents said no. Both of you say the ETS is a vital tool in bringing down our emissions, so will you support a higher carbon price if that's required?
2: Yes, and the reality is there will be a higher carbon price whether a Labor or a national government is elected. The difference is this. Grant (laughs) wants to use the revenue raised from that, raised from higher petrol prices for New Zealanders, higher prices for their goods. He wants to use it to write cheques to big profitable polluters. I want to use he it to reduce to emissions. subsidise their emission reduction efforts. I don't want to do that. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's right. Mm. I want to return the revenue raised through the Emissions Trading Scheme to New Zealanders in the form of income tax reduction. I think that's principled, and it will ensure that the Emissions Trading Scheme is sustainable. Grant got so worried about the Emissions Trading Scheme that they intervened to try and stop the price going higher on polluters. It ended them up in court, and they lost in court. Mm. So actually, he's been undermining the most important tool we have for reducing carbon and alcohol. So what
1: we think we should do with the Emissions Trading Scheme revenue is actually use it to help reduce emissions. So this is polluters who are paying. And we wanna make sure that in in doing the recycling of that, we actually see substantive reduction emissions. The New Zealand steel deal, it's nearly 1% of all of our emissions. It would not have happened if it weren't for the Climate Emergency Response Fund being there. This has to be a partnership between industry, the government and consumers to make sure we get there. Yes, the ETS price will rise over time, absolutely, because it needs to. But, if we don't get on with reducing emissions Mm. right now, we have not a hope of meeting those targets. And I keep hearing from Christopher Luxon and from Nicola that they support the goals, but I do not see any scrap of a plan to actually do that. It's again, it's a slogan, it's not a policy. We've got the actions, Mm. we've got the plan, there's now no funding for it under Nicola's plan. Okay. Grant, do you reckon reducing poverty is a vote winner? In the end, Jack, that actually doesn't matter to me, reducing poverty... No, just in a philosophical level, do you reckon For it some people it is, and for some people it's not. Mm. You know, I mean, that's the reality of life. But, reducing poverty is vitally important. Creating a more equal society matters. We've lifted 77,000 kids out of poverty on the after-housing cost measure, and that is a sh- significant achievement during a very difficult economic time. I, but I, I accept the poll results Yeah, I want to show. show.
0: these. I want to show these poll results for those <laughs> of our viewers who haven't yet seen what Grant's seen. So we asked our viewers if they would be... or We asked voters if they'd be prepared to personally pay more tax if it reduced the level of poverty in New Zealand. More than half said no. I acknowledge that tax is not the only way to reduce poverty. Are you surprised by those numbers?
1: Um, as I say, in the end, those numbers are what they are. I think we have a moral mm. duty to reduce poverty and to reduce inequality in New Zealand. So. I, I understand. I mean, the question's a little—you know—people are being asked about a particular way, as you say, of doing it. Mm. I think New Zealanders accept and understand that we need to ensure every kid gets a great start in life, and in order to do that, we have to invest significantly, as we have done in things like the Best Start program, mm. as we've done in lifting benefits, family tax credits. So I understand that—you know—you're presented with a poll question, people will answer it. Uh, so the danger, way, da- danger but, with, but, but mor- the, focus moral, that the <laughs> moral response here is to yeah. do what we've been doing and lift
0: kids out of poverty. So, Nicola, um, using that poverty measure that Grant just referenced, the after-housing measure, what would be a national government's target?
2: Well, can I first answer the question which you asked, Grant? Which is, does do New Zealanders care about poverty? And my experience is absolutely yes, because they believe that this mm-hmm. is a country where there should be a social safety net and there should be fairness. The biggest driver... Of poverty in recent times has been sky-high inflation. That's why the food bank queues are longer, that's why more people are in debt arrears, inflation that's why anywhere people world, are Nicola? needing budgeting services. And here's the second thing that is a really important philosophical <laughs> distinction between national and Labor on poverty. We continue to believe that the best thing we can do mm. to get children out of poverty Jesus, is ensure Nicola. that their parents have the incentives for paid work under Labor there are more than 200,000 okay. more children living in benefit-dependent homes.
0: So to well, my to my question, though, what would be your target? Uh, using the measure well the grant is used for child poverty well reduction?
2: We, well, we actually supported the Child Poverty Reduction Act and the targets within it.
0: Right, so that's your that remains your target
1: for
2: yes. the next
0: term of Parliament. You, have you know, sp-
1: Jack, can I just say one thing about that? In Budget 2021, I was really proud when we restored the level of main benefits to where they had mm. been, the value of them, when Ruth Richardson cut them in the 1990s. Every national government has ignored Getting New Zealand to a more equal place and made it more unequal. So it's pretty rich to be lectured by Nicola about child poverty. I'm proud of what we've done. There's more to do, but it won't happen with the kind of policies Nicola's promoting. So, promoted. so
0: I'm okay. I, I, this will be my last question in this segment. Can you can you both explain to me your positions when it comes to indexing benefits? Because you have quite distinct positions on that, and they are significant differences. Grant, you can go first.
1: Yeah. Look. So we took the advice of the Welfare Expert Advisory Group and indeed the Children's Commissioner, who said you need to. Index this to the average wage, it'll make the biggest difference. That's what the Children's Commissioner said to poverty. So because that wages have traditionally I mean, risen faster and, and than. And every the now inflation. and then you'll get a blip with inflation, like we've had, and we've done a top up. Mm. And so we did a top up to make sure that it kept up. But long term, the experts have told us index it that way, and you'll have a major impact on poverty.
2: We want to maintain what was the long standing practice under successive Labor and national governments of linking benefits and to and the cost to of living okay, so on. that yeah. when inflation increases, benefits increase as well.
0: All right. After the break, we will ask what will happen to house prices and rents under a potential national government? <music> Kia ora. welcome back to Q&A to Nicola Willis and Grant Robertson. Let's talk housing. Relative to the average household income, Nicola, what is an affordable house?
2: Well, the definition internationally is three to one. In New Zealand today, we're seven to one. When Labor took office, we were six to one. They promised to solve the housing crisis, they demonstrably failed. The 100,000 Kiwi built houses never turned up, and despite trying to blame landlords, foreign buyers, everyone else, actually, they failed to do anything about housing affordability. what,
0: What would it be under your government?
2: We want it tracking down
0: tracking down to so what? So we want
2: the ratio to get closer to that affordability. Yep. We will not achieve that in our first so term. So se- if
0: it's 7 to 1 now, <laughs> what, what would it be at the end of your first term?
2: I, I don't have a number for What's that.
1: What's the target?
2: Well I want it targeting to be much lower than it is now.
1: Grant, what's an affordable house? It's the same, I mean that is the 3 to 1 ratio and you you and I have had this debate many times Jack. Um, The circumstances we've been in over the last few years have been enormously challenging but I'm proud of the fact that we've had over 200,000 consents. I'm proud of the fact that actually Nicola, we've built 10 times more uh, affordable private sector housing than national. But the state house waiting list is four times, times as long. Grant, right? I did cover that just before that if you had built state houses at the rate oh, that so we it's are our fault. now. Well, actually, it is because no, it's we have. There's
2: a rental crisis. One it's,
1: it's, of, hang on, hang on. One sixth of all of the state houses in New Zealand have been built under our government. Thirteen thousand houses. If national had been building at that rate, we wouldn't have the register. We build houses, they sell them. It's, yes, it's,
0: it's true that that both the number of state houses has. Significantly increased under Labor, but also that the State House waiting list has significantly yeah. increased under so Labor. Both actu- of those things
1: are we t- actually t- count people? We don't construct a list and then put some people off it to make sure the list looks You've better. You've got no evidence to back it, that well, up. Actually, that is
2: misinformation. But it fact, doesn't matter, it because
1: it's all what, about building houses and they didn't, they yeah, sold so, so them. What, so
2: what Grant is trying to tell you is that in a pyramid of housing in which actually there is all of this housing, that this tiny bit at the top is going to solve it all, and that's no, social no, housing. No. Actually what you need is a functional building market in which you're building mm. more homes. You need a functional rental market in which rents aren't going up. $180 a week on average since Labor came to office, pushing more people onto the state house waiting list, pushing thousands of children into emergency motels. So you need to have that functioning. You also need to have a functional for affordable housing. Mm. So you need that's a built-to-rent right. sector that provides good, secure, long-term tenure rentals. You need a community housing sector providing good social housing, and yes, you also you need know, state Jack, housing. But to claim that state housing okay. is going to solve no. New Zealand's housing no challenges that, and is going to help people buy homes, so so no one's claiming that, Nicola. It's, so no it's, claiming that, Nicola. It's, it's just, go- it's about, just governments all need to do it. All you want to, to talk it. about that's is how many state houses you've built. My point is, there's a lot more to this problem. There is, and that's why I mentioned
1: the 200,000.
0: So, Nicola, when I asked. You at the ASB great debate, mm-hmm. what changes interest deductibility and in resetting the bright line test to two years will have on house prices? You said you didn't know. Do you accept that resetting those settings back to what they were under a national government will make housing more attractive as an investment for landlords?
2: Here's what I think. I think the evidence is that that is not going to afford uh, that is not going to affect house prices. But I, I asked, also though. don't think that I can crystal ball gaze what's going to happen with house prices. Grant Robertson let house prices go up 30% oh, okay. in one my, my year. My question was, will it make it more attractive as an
0: investment?
1: I can, I I can think, give you a number on that. Hang
2: hang, on, could, hang I on. think hmm. what it will mean is that landlords who are currently looking at the track of costs and looking at their tax bill going up, <laughs> who are thinking there's no choice but to lift the rent will pause and think, well, actually, if this interest deductibility is restored, Mm. I'm not going to have to increase rents as much. I
1: can guarantee you this, Jack. First-home buyers will reduce as part of the market, if Nicola brings interest Those deductibility. No, are in no, 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 I, okay. I just let you they're go I just let you go No, they're not. All they're, all at 20, right. they're at twenty-seven percent of the market. Now, the actual when, number when is you, low. When you went out of office, they were at twenty-one, and that was actually a high point for nationals. So we know that. We know that interest deductibility will drive first home buyers out of the market. And we know that the rest of national's policy will put pressure on the housing market. The foreign buyer ban will do that. Treasury told okay. us that.
0: Let's let's look at the migration numbers and how they're affecting things. So we have net migration at 100,000, driving up demand. Both of you have announced immigration policies this weekend. Grant, what role are those immigration settings, as they stand, having on housing affordability
1: today? Yeah, at the moment, it's a spike at 100,000, Jack, and nobody thinks it's going to stay up at that level. It's going to come down to around, according to Treasury, 40,000. That's manageable if we do the. What's invest. it doing
0: to housing affordability? If,
1: if at the moment you know, because it's a spike, I don't think you can make that judgement. At around the 40,000 level 100, over... 100,000 extra oh no, look, people. look, Don't worry, it's going to be putting some pressure on, but it's, if it continued as a trend, it would have an enormous impact on housing affordability at the 100,000 level, but it's not going to, Jack. But the point here is, we build more houses. That's the answer to this. Now, Nicola used to be a fan of something called the medium... Have the housing 100,000? Of course we but the medium-density housing rules that we brought in, that Nicola supported, they were going to make a big difference to making sure that councils mm. could actually get them built. Nicola got rolled by Christopher Luxon, and so we don't have <laughs> that any longer. <laughs> this is ludicrous. But we've got to can have I, a plan I? that involves councils private sector and the government working together. So, We're doing that now. National's policy takes that away.
2: So actually what you did, Grant, was you spent years pretending that Kiwi Build and State Houses would solve the housing crisis. What National has consistently said mm. is you have to free up the constraints in the Resource Management Act that are stopping land being available for housing. You that's have what, to work, it was. It was Just the let me finish. Statement. I was very now polite got, yeah. with you. You have to work with councils to ensure they zone more land for housing. His party used to say... Mm. Get rid of the metropolitan urban limit in Auckland so that more greenfields, land can be developed. They let that die. What we've consistently said is you then need to work with councils to build the infrastructure that supports more housing growth. When we wrote to Labor in the midst of the housing crisis and said, look, you've got to look at the RMA, we'll work with you on this, mm. they came up with the medium density zone. We saw it as a, you step, you a step come forward, it, but we have now taken a much bigger step forward, which is saying to councils, you work out where you're going to free up the land, but you're going to have to re- mm. free up 30 years worth of growth. We're going to give you new infrastructure or you can just financing do it tools. And to We're going the RMA. to actually pay you directly for houses that you consent above the historic average. Mm. We're going to build roads that open up great tracts of land for housing and we're going to work with you so you've got new financing oh, tools okay. so that when new subdivisions are put in, you they can help put it. Well climate these are change goals. Issues, and again we've been National about it.
1: sacrificing our climate okay. change goals. Alright, stay with us. We
0: will wrap things up with these finance folks, people after the break. Welcome back to Q&A. It's almost time to finish our debate. For the last seven, I want to consider consider some of the biggest dynamics to likely impact our economy in the next few years. We have an ageing population. National is committed to increasing the age of super-eligibility, but over 20 years, by which time I will almost be eligible, (laughs) Labour won't increase it at all. So can you each give me an answer here? How can you justify, given our ageing population, your party's position?
2: Well, we want to ensure that superannuation is sustainable in the long term and affordable for New Zealand. We want it to remain a universal entitlement. Uh, but in order to afford that, we want to give people time to plan. So 20 years from now, in 2044, we'll start gradually increasing the age to 67. We think it's fair. It gives time people, people time to plan for their retirement.
1: So we think dignity and retirement is a birthright for New Zealanders. People have paid taxes throughout their lives. It is affordable if you choose to make it a priority. So yes, it will be a higher amount that we need to spend, but we believe that for New Zealanders, dignity and retirement matters. They've Mm. contributed, 65 remains a good age.
0: Okay, I wanna share with you a final couple of uh, polling results. So we asked, given the state of polling trends at the moment, if our respondents would believe a change to a national-led government would improve New Zealand's economic situation. So, yeah, 37% said yes, 21 said no, 32% said it would make no difference. We also asked, would a change to a national-led government make New Zealand's society better? You can see, once again there, the results are split somewhat. A question for both of you. How will it be possible for New Zealand to deliver core services, to address our infrastructure deficit, to prepare for an ageing population, to mitigate and adapt for the climate change future Mm. without substantially expanding the tax base and introducing new revenue streams. So
2: here's what we have to do. We do need to have more revenue in the future in order to fund good public services and to ensure that we can invest in infrastructure. The best way to do that is to grow the economy. It is with economic growth that we will have more money for the things we want. Richer countries... Australia, the US, they can afford more things. European countries, they are richer than us and that's Mm. why they have better public services. They also have
0: more revenue streams in many cases.
2: We want New Zealand to be a wealthier country and when Mm. we look at economic growth and you look at those polls as to why people back national, they know it's because there are some basics we do well. You have to manage the books well and keep discipline around spending. You can't let tax get too high or it puts people off working. You have to ensure the regulatory framework encourages investment and growth. You have to actually deliver infrastructure, not just talk about it. <laughs> and you have to have high standards in education. So Jay, All of those are things that we are committed to that will grow the economy so that New Zealanders can have a lower cost of living, pay less so tax Jay, and, we're and we're get better a public services. we a limited amount of time
1: as we both know. This is why it's not the time for tax cuts. Because right now we need the money to invest in health and in education and in housing. I agree with Nicola that we need the economy to grow, that's why we've got the investments in place that we do around Mm. the things we were talking about during the productivity segment. But this is all about balance and over the last six years I've had to deal as Minister of Finance with a global pandemic and a global inflation Mm. crisis and through that I've steered us to the point that the International Monetary Fund and the big ratings agencies have given us the tick of saying you've got the balance about right here. We need the economy to grow sustainably, but we also need to use our balance sheet to make sure we're supporting New Zealanders. That balance is tricky, but if you look after people, which is what we've done, Mm. the economy will look after itself My question, My question was about introducing new revenue streams. And as I say, we've got some, we've got the digital services tax there, but we've said that right now isn't the time to throw the tax system up in the air at all. We can grow the economy sustainably and we can use our balance sheet Mm. to support New Zealanders through.
2: The bit that Grant always misses... Is you have to drive more value from every dollar. The reason he has an insatiable I think I appetite said that for right taxes. At the beginning. And, and mark my words, if he was elected You're with the a for green, the Greens, for and new taxes, Mardi, the then there will be big new, new taxes, taxes on working people is because actually you don't judge a government by how much it spends. You judge it by the results it gets for it. He's increased government spending hmm. by 80%. And you know what? Two, I am thirds to of New gone, two, two thirds of that is gone. Two thirds You know what? The hospital services are 80% better off. The education's 80% you better off. You can't govern you in theory, Nicola. You have you to govern in reality. You haven't delivered results for the extraordinary increase okay, in spending you have, have overseas. We
1: have delivered those results. We got New Zealanders through COVID. We've lifted 77,000 kids out of poverty. We've got 60,000 kids and and older people into apprenticeships. Grant, Grant, as finance minister, what is your biggest piece of unfinished business? Probably making sure that we've got that climate change agenda sorted. Um, I accept the fact that it's the biggest driving issue and it's the one that we've Mm. got the most work to do, but every sector of the economy Mm. continues to need work. I didn't come in as Minister of Finance expecting to be doing this through Mm. a pandemic. It's been tough. There's a lot of hindsight economics going on today, but I'm proud of what we've done, and we're going to push on.
0: Okay, we're going to finish up now. So give me 30 seconds each. How will New Zealand be different? How will it be better? If you are the Minister of Finance and you're sitting here, we're repeating this debate in three years' time. Nicola?
2: We'll have a much stronger economy. The cost of living will be much lower. People will be earning more and able to get ahead, facing less tax. We will have ensured that there is infrastructure that has been built and a lot more in the pipeline to be built. Education standards will be higher and in health you'll see those targets Mm. on waiting times and elective surgery increasing because we will have had ministers who drive results, who don't just spend taxpayers' money as if it's theirs.
1: So Jack, inflation will be back down inside the 1-3% to band, which means New Zealanders will know for sure that their wages are going to exceed inflation. People will be in employment at high levels and we will be moving more people into those higher paying jobs where we're adding value to the sectors that we know that we do well in and we will have continued investing in health education, housing, the things that are the bedrock of a good society and that's what we've done over the last six years and we'll keep doing it.
0: Grant Robertson, Nicola Willis, Kia ora kōrua. thank you for your time good luck for the next Cheers few weeks. kuun matū, that is Q&A for this week from the Q&A team, thank you for watching. Now mihi ki koutoui, thanks for your feedback Hey tēra wiki, we will see you next Sunday at 9am Q&A is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air.